the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. The good, the bad, and the Boucherian. And folks, you're listening to the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. If if the bully is so you talking to a teacher, mm-hmm. even outside, uh, they would even maybe kill you, or because they would think you are reporting them. So and mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was the situation in the nineties. You saw somebody comment about the nineties. The nineties was bad. I remember in another school uh, in Yeri, a form one was given a, a, a cup of tea, saturated a cup of water, saturated uh, with salt. Salt. The boy died. That was uh, it. Was even in the national news. So we used to be beaten a lot. So. Uh, I'll, rather than go to the dormitory, even at night, we would sleep in coffee plantations, um, trees. I had my own tree. I can still remember it up to now. So we we would get access. <clears throat> it wasn't it wasn't uh, when I talk about alcohol. Maybe you're thinking about Jameson and all that. No, it was this kind of uji uji like busa. In Kirinyaga, mm-hmm. but it was still alcohol, and um, you had to drink a lot of the uji for you to get high. So I think that's how I started, and then uh, uh, you know there there wasn't a lot of money, so you couldn't even go to a bar or even buy alcohol. So that's how I started, and um, by the end of form four, and now I got the freedom to start now serious drinking. You know, Moratina at home. You just have to look for a kg of sugar, and then uh, the Moratina guys would brew the, the uh, maybe a lot of a lot of it for you. So it started like that. I used to sleep under uh, a, a lorry because I didn't have a house at one time for almost a month. Um, I spent uh, about two weeks in hospital. I almost lost my eyesight because I drank some uh, pesticide. Ladies who knew me at Sabina Joy, um, I would go in and they would, you know, they would even remember me. Chris, you know, like I'm their customer. You know Sabina Joy, huh? Mm, mm, mm. Maybe you have heard of it. To my new um, listeners, please explain to them what it is. Ah, uh, uh, no, no. <laughs> I um, come on. No, nobody doesn't know Sabina Joy. Sabina Joy is um the biggest brother in East Africa. It's your boy Billy back at it with another episode. Hope you guys are keeping well, keeping safe amidst the pandemic and things are going well on your side as they are on mine. And today in studio, my guest is Chris, who is a man almost clocking the age of 40, but he is a, he creates website content and he's a digital marketer. And today he's going to tell us his story on alcoholism. As he says, he's a recovering alcoholic. So he's going to tell us what his journey has been like from the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so Chris, please tell us the story of the man. Please tell us of who Chris is, who Chris has been ever since he was a young boy and to this point in his life. Uh, okay. Now I I'll I'll simplify it. Chris is uh um this dude almost 40 years 
Um, he does some digital marketing on the side. He does some website content creation. He's a trained teacher, but he doesn't teach. I'll give you the reason. Um, yeah, and he's a family man, uh, struggling like uh, any other Kenyan. And um, yeah, I'm always online, so my life is uh, revolves uh, on uh, on these platforms, digital platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you have seen maybe some of my stories about uh, alcohol, and I know uh, some of them look crazy. Now, I up to 2017, I I was an alcoholic, a bad one, uh, that for 17 years, uh, mm-hmm. maybe since 1999, around that time, uh, I started drinking. Uh, maybe in Form 3, Form 4. And um, that has shaped my life positively and very negatively. And um, maybe, yeah, I, I I lost a lot of opportunities due to alcoholism. And um, I lost a family. I lost, um, you know, when I say, when I talk about a family, I mean, I was married before and I had a son and I lost them all. And yeah, it has been a journey. And uh, that's, that's why I'm saying <laughs> it's, it's not easy to share everything uh, at a sitting, uh, at one sitting. Um, maybe, maybe you can advise on how we can do that because um, there's so much. Like um, this, uh, the campus part, uh, and uh, when you bring the alcoholism in it, and there are so many stories to share. Then uh, after campus, I started working at Safaricom, and uh, there was a lot of money. We were making a lot of money back then, and um, I couldn't handle my drink, so I just quit one day. I felt like uh, working was interfering with my drinking time. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, just out of campus and you're making over 100K and you're getting bonuses and phones, smart, you know, the best phones from Safaricom that time. I'm talking about 208, 207, around that time, 209. Yeah, those E63s were the biggest phones. On, I, we, I could just walk into uh, any Safaricom shop and I would, they would just deduct from my salon. So things were so good and... Um, I ended up messing up a lot. Uh, eventually, um, I lost my job. I quit, actually. I, not even quitting. I didn't just go to work. That was 2010, uh, October 16th, I remember. So uh, after that, life went downhill. I went to live in Kariubangi, in a slum. <laughs> actually, I remember I was telling somebody yesterday, um, I used to sleep under uh, a, a lorry because I didn't have a house at one time for almost a month. And uh, Chris, uh, are yeah? you serious? Yeah. <laughs> because let me even tell you a funny story. The yeah. tweet that led me to you, to your yeah. profile, yeah. is the tweet of you sleeping on trees. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was in high school. That was in high school. So the question yeah. is, Chris, where haven't you slept? <laughs> Actually, um, I've slept in uh, in bars. Mm-hmm. 
at one time at one time i was teaching actually you know when you ask that question it brings memories at one time i was so broke i i was in narumoro town that is near nanyuki and i had quit teaching i i, I you see because i was drinking a lot and i couldn't even manage to teach so when i quit i started because i was still writing this online thing so i would go to a cyber and then in the evening i i didn't have a house so i would go and talk to uh the soldiers maybe in a bar and then i would sleep with them i remember one one guy who would give me a carton and then i would sleep under the stairs uh to a lodging so uh, as as guys who are going up to have fun with with women i was there under the stairs and they wouldn't even notice it's me and the next day <laughs> Really? Uh, Brian, I'm telling you. Ah, yeah, uh, okay, Chris, yeah. Chris, Chris, okay. <laughs> We've gone too far. Let's start from the story of the boy who entered from one and was bullied and was sleeping on trees and fast forward to form three where he gets to be introduced to alcohol. So tell us about that for perspective. Um, Maybe, uh, okay, to, to put it into perspective... When I went into form one, I was a small, this car, tiny boy. And um, those days, I don't know whether you have heard those stories. Bullying was bad. We would be beaten um, seriously. As in, I don't want to say, it. that was molestation. It was almost, some. I remember there was even a boy who committed suicide out of it. I was telling my wife the other day. A boy mm. committed suicide. Yeah, it was in a school in Kerenyaga. I don't want to mention the name, but mm-hmm. we, you see, even with my small size, I would be I'll get beaten, and then I think the self-esteem thing came in because I was a small boy. I couldn't uh, uh, maybe fight back or anything, so we we didn't even uh, sleep in uh, the dormitory as a as a form one. You know the dormitory. You'd only go maybe during the inspections and then you make sure you are out by the time the teacher is maybe the dorm master is out of the uh, out of the dormitory. So um on Saturdays we had to sneak out of school because the form fours, the form threes, if they caught you, then they would give you so many clothes to clean and then you'd have to stay by the clothesline and it was torture. So we just had to sneak. Now by the time I got into the dormitory, the first day, I had uh, lost my mattress already. So by the time my parents were leaving uh, the gate, I were going out of the gate, I didn't have a mattress, I didn't have a blanket, and I was not the only one. We, it was mm-hmm. just, the situation was just bad. So I became this small boy with a lot of anger. I think, I think it affected my life a lot. I, I had a lot of bitterness. Why why was I being treated like that? Why were we being treated like that? And we were all students. And the teachers would not intervene. If you reported to the teacher, uh, the, 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 the bullies would even kill you. If they saw you talking to a teacher uh, as a form one, Pardon? If, if the bullies saw you talking to a teacher, mm-hmm. even outside, uh, they would even maybe kill you or because they would think you are reporting them. So and, and mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that was that was the situation in the nineties. You saw somebody comment about the nineties. The nineties was bad. I remember in another school uh, in Yeri, a form one was given uh, uh, a cup of tea saturated, uh, a cup of water saturated uh, with salt. Salt. The boy died. That was uh, it. Was even in the national news. So we used to be beaten a lot. So. Uh, I'll, rather than go to the dormitory, even at night, we would sleep in coffee plantations, um, trees. I had my own tree. I can still remember it up to now. Um, there was one. This one time, <laughs> I, I, okay, I don't know what happened at nine before uh, during the preps. We would we would uh, sneak out before nine so that uh, the bullies won't come to the class and see us and get us or beat us. So we would sneak out at around uh, 8.45 before the, the the final bell. That day, I don't know what happened. I, I was late. So I rushed out without my sweater. I slept in the coffee plantation and I got sick. I remember I, I was admitted to hospital for about two weeks. Malaria pneumonia because of the cold. So the situation was bad. So I think, uh, remember, this is a small cowboy without okay, without a body, without okay, nothing, just a coverage student. So I think I wanted, I always wanted, I always felt like I want to, to have something that I can show off. And I think that's how... Uh, maybe alcohol, I was attracted to alcohol. So by the end of Form 3, Form 4, I had already started, alcohol was available, or especially over the weekends. So maybe I started uh, getting interested because I would see people get high because over the weekends, teachers were not uh, available in school. So we we would get access. <clears throat> it wasn't it wasn't uh, when I talk about alcohol. Maybe you're thinking about Jameson and all that. No, it was this kind of uji uji like busa uh, in mm-hmm. Kirinyaga, uh, but it was still alcohol, and um, you had to drink a lot of the uji for you to get high. So I think that's how I started, and then. Uh, uh, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of money, so you couldn't even go to a bar or even buy alcohol. So that's how I started. Then um, by the end of Form 4, and now I got the freedom to start now serious drinking. You know, Moratina at home, you just have to look for a kg of sugar, and then uh, the Moratina guys would brew the, the, uh, maybe a lot, of, a lot of it for you. So it started like that. Um, yeah, so... I didn't know it was a problem uh, until maybe later, uh, very very much later. And uh, now, just just to, <laughs> I, I just remembered something. Uh, the, the the in two thousand, the first time I, I I had an encounter with Moratina. Moratina is a. I I think you have heard about it. Eh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The first time I had a drink or I paid for a drink. Uh, I was with two 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 uh, classmates. You know? And um, the reason I'm, I'm mentioning them is because both are dead now. And they both died uh, in alcohol-related. Uh, one died in South Africa. He was murdered in South Africa. 
Uh, he went to South Africa after a phone call and he was murdered because um, he went into a bar and he started fighting. And remember, as xenophobia and everything, he was killed. Uh, the mm-hmm. other one, the other one was killed by his father. Both were high. The father, I think, they started fighting, and the father killed the, the young boy. So, I, mm. you see, it's all alcohol, alcohol related. I've lost a lot of, I lost many friends along the way, up to 2007. I, I, I know uh, uh, 17 or 18 years are not many, but within those years. Um, I I went through a lot of dark dark moments. Um, so now now at least you can uh, you can connect the boy the boy who got into alcoholism. Maybe maybe how he got into alcoholism. And yeah, that's. <laughs> I just wanted to fit him. Mm-hmm. I just wanted maybe to to impress you know girls like uh, you know I can you know that confidence that Dutch Dutch courage. When you're high, yeah, that's mm-hmm. how it started, yeah. And so entering campus, how was it? Ah, campus. We used to get help, help uh, these loans, and um, uh, I went to Moy University, and that was a university in the bush. It is still in the bush, even with all its problems. So uh, the the cost was not very high, but we used to when I went to campus now. I got my first experience with money, okay? A lot of money. So now the drinking became worse. Uh, it mm-hmm. became worse so bad that um, <laughs> most of the times I would either sleep outside, uh, maybe because uh, we used to have, um, there was a slum next to my university. And uh, they used to sell changa, they used to sell busa. So after drinking, I would not get back to the hostel. So I would sleep somewhere in the bush. It was safe. It was safe. So it's not like in Nairobi where you would be raped or anything. But um, so in the morning, I would wake up and, uh, you know, somewhere in the bush, rush to the to the hostel, uh, dress up. Maybe I wouldn't even brush or anything, go to the lecture. And I remember one time <laughs> I walked into the lecture room uh it was already packed and then i sat somewhere um uh, there were so many ladies next to me i didn't even note i was smelling i was reeking of alcohol i remember all of them walked they stood and walked away and i didn't even okay i i realized later it's because of <laughs> the, the smell of alcohol and all that so it was um it was a crazy time it was a crazy time and um, at that time my parents had already started commenting about the drinking because during the holidays I'll be drinking, nothing else drinking, drinking there were the sachets uh, the alcohol sachet, Marikane Black Diamond I used to have, at any time I used to have like four in the pocket because they were costing 10 bob, 25, 30 so I would have so many so I would be high all the time Mm, the uh, yeah, they used to be there. They were uh-huh. banned in uh, they were banned in 20, 2010, I think, or twenty two or nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, they were there. Napoleon was ten bob. You see, it's like a uh, like um, what what 
like um, ketchup. You see the ketchup they use for chips and all that, mm-hmm. like something like that. But now taller, so you just you just um, <laughs> um, cut and take it. No one would notice, even in a lecture room or even in a mat. No one would notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, at least it's good Motudo banned those things. Um, but uh, by the time he was burning them, some of us were already way, way deep into, into the alcoholism and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the time, did you have your friends? Yeah, you know, you call them friends, but they are just drinking buddies. By the time you realize maybe you have an alcoholism problem, most of them uh, will leave you. They will leave you in the mud and, you know, they will go on with their lives. Like after campus, everyone would go away. You never ha- have contact with them. Uh, then you start working, maybe like I did at Safaricom. Those guys I used to work with, they were just uh, uh, maybe friends. Okay, They're friends in quotes. Not people I would... Uh, rely on or people you would um, maybe depend on mm-hmm. because uh, when when uh, shit hit the fan uh, most of them just uh, uh, they walked away and uh, left me hanging mm-hmm. yeah and there were not people who would uh, advise you on uh, or even tell you these things are getting bad they, w- they would actually uh, look for you when you have money because they know you know how to waste money. So mm-hmm. uh, we would waste my money. They would not waste their money. They would invest. And uh, yeah, so those who are not friends. Uh, if uh, if um, for most of, I, I always tell people, um, the people who drink, they always think they have buddies. The others are not buddies. If you have a, a big problem, those people will just quit on you. You, you are just, uh, they are just drinking friends. If you remove the word drinking, and uh, there's nothing like a friend there. Mm-hmm. The moment you don't have money, you realize they, they, they are not there. They are not dependable. They are not like mm-hmm. your family. Your family, your family will be there even when, sometimes even when you are in the mud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now tell us about you are able to finish campus because i know a lot of guys who go down that road aren't able to finish campus successfully and then take us to safaricom how was life at safaricom with all the money and the glamour uh, uh in campus i i, I was taking um I, I when i joined campus i, I was I had been called for a, what a, a ba in geography so i changed it into bed in literature in English, because I loved reading and uh, I was even writing poetry. I, mm. yeah, 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 even short stories. Uh, so I wanted something to do with the literature or something to do with the writing in that line. So I, I didn't struggle at all. I, I would drink over the weekend or maybe every other day, but I would never miss uh, the lectures. And then um, uh, I would read the novels, maybe when nursing my hangover. So I would always be ahead of the lecture, the lecturers. And I would uh, be the popular guy in, uh, in the groups and all that. So uh, campus wasn't, um, I just, I, I just blazed, I just uh, went through campus without a lot of struggle. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then after campus, um, see, I was training to be a teacher and I didn't like it. So after campus, I wanted to get out of uh, the teaching being a kabisa. But um, uh, I eventually got myself in <laughs> in the in the profession teaching first uh, somewhere in Kikuyu. You know Kikuyu? Hey, Kikuyu, Kikuyu. Was there. Okay, Kikuyu town somewhere. So I, I was in a small school somewhere, getting uh, six thousand per, <laughs> per oh, month. Yeah. Uh, it was somewhere in Gekambura. That is after Dogoto. So, um, after teaching for a few for a, for a year or so, I started applying for jobs. And that's how we got into custom, uh, Safaricom customer care. Uh, guys were getting jobs. I, I even had offers from KCB and uh, uh, Cooperative. But at that time, guys were getting jobs, uh, entry, entry level jobs. Um, uh, so many companies were coming up, Equity, KCB, all of them were looking for young guys. So we were lucky. My friends got mm-hmm. into banks and all that. Um, so, uh, when when I got into Safaricom now, you see from 6,000 and then you start getting over 60, then 70, 80, that's a lot of money. So, even managing the money um, became an issue now. I didn't have an investment plan. I would, I, would, I would drink everything and then start borrowing even from banks. Uh, and then loans were all over, unsecured loans from Barclays, Tanchat. Those guys were looking for us, especially for, uh, for guys from Safaricom. They would come and tell you they would give you 500000 And the next day, you would find the money in the bank. You just needed to provide uh, three pay slips. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us got into debts. You see, you get half a million in, your, in the bank account. You don't have a plan. So you start going to Nakuru and Naivasha. We 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 explored uh, those places before uh, it became uh, so much hyped. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the 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 drinking got us. Um, the drinking uh, got to a point where I could not control. Sometimes I would I would even uh, stop going to work for days. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. it got to us, uh, the management noted, and uh, after three years, it got to us, I, I, one interdiction, warning, show course, stuff like that. So eventually, one day I just got high and said I want to go to work, and that was that. Was that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, and this time you're living alone. I had a, I had a girlfriend and um, she was supportive and uh, but you know you are drinking a lot. You are taking keg in any anything any uh, from Tasca to keg to Kenya King to anything. So um, she would she would that I would I would notice she was almost giving up. So when I quit. I think she she didn't have another option, so she also quit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, after that, I I didn't I didn't have a plan. I was just quitting. Like I thought maybe I would go into writing full time, but <laughs> there wasn't money 
um, yeah, I would do some writing, but there wasn't money like I had experienced in Safaricom. I couldn't afford the same house. So I went into a slum somewhere in Karyubangi. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I started living with a friend, then started living alone. Eventually, I couldn't afford rent. The house was locked with my stuff. And when I talk about my stuff, I'm just talking about my <clears throat> my clothes, a few clothes or something like that. And um, yeah, it got worse. And that's, that's when I would sleep in a bar, maybe under a lorry, uh, anywhere. Just, 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 just to see dawn the, the next morning. And uh, then I would start the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so this time, where were you eating and all? Ah, you just go to a hotel, eat the cheapest uh, beans and uh, maybe ugali, the cheapest meal during the day. You are saving as much as possible to get money to drink. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. So um, by by the time by twenty twelve. Eh? I was almost dying. So my mom uh, in Yeri sent my smaller bro- brother to look for me and to take me home forcefully. And mm. that's that that's how I got I went to Nyeri now. And um after a few months <laughs> I I stopped drinking for some time and then I applied for a job at uh, TSC. Remember I was a trained teacher. So mm. I applied for a job at TSC. Um, I got married, uh, got a son, but again, I got into drinking now full-time, badly. So uh, eventually I started teaching, but eventually I, lo- I got addicted. I, I, I stopped, I would, I would stop going to work for even a week. The principal would come looking for me, I would hide, I would drink, borrow money from banks, friends, drink, drink, drink. And uh, eventually I got interdicted. Um, life got so messy, I attempted um, uh, committing suicide one time, uh, that was in 2014. Um, I spent uh, about two weeks in hospital. I almost lost my eyesight because I drank some... Uh, Pesticide. Um, um, my my mom and uh, my former my former wife took care of me and uh, yeah. When I got back to my feet, I still continued drinking. <laughs> um, I got back in. I I was given another chance at TSE. I got back into teaching. That was 2015. Again, I quit again. Um. And then I um, I came back to Nairobi now. I, I wasn't comfortable in Nyeri, central province. So I came back to Nairobi. I was drinking a lot. So it's like I was coming back to Nairobi to die. That, that was the mission. Mm-hmm. I, wanted, I wanted to now uh, drink myself to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I came, um, I stayed at my sister's place in Roy for a few months. Obviously, we we fought. We uh, and I. She told me she gave me an ultimatum, so I had to get my own place. I didn't have money. I started sleeping in a lodging somewhere, 
in a place called Choka, that is near Kayole, a very dangerous place. I would go to a cyber during the day, do some writing, get paid in the evening, and then drink everything, maybe leave some money for maybe lodging, maybe to 50 for the lodging. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No lodgings, lodgings in uh, cheap. These uh, slums are, are cheap. So that's that's how I used to to live well, from 2015 up to around. Um, to, I was almost dying. I my I, I had uh, these. I would vomit blood and all that. So it was like I was on a mission. I I was feeling I was on a mission to die. So I would drink myself silly. I didn't have any connection with my family. Remember, I had a son. I left in central province, and I didn't even know about him. I didn't know where he was, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to die uh, slowly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then um, one day in 2017, I remember February 8th, I was nothing a hangover. Uh, two days, oh, I had gotten a house. I was sleeping on the floor on a very small mattress. So one, one after about three days in the house, no food, just taking water. And um, I felt like I was coming to an end. Uh, I didn't have an option. I didn't have friends. I, I just told God, maybe, maybe there's, maybe he would give me another chance. And I said, I would try uh, each day at a time, no drinking. So I slept that day crying and praying. And uh, the next day, I think it was on a Wednesday, I went back to the cyber. I worked. In the evening, I didn't drink. I went to a hotel. I ate my usual beans and chapo. I watched the news. I went to my to my humble abode, slept on the floor. I didn't drink. The next day, I struggled. I didn't drink, and uh, yeah, the that day, the fourth day, and that's how I stopped drinking. I didn't go to rehab. Oh, I uh, there was a time I had been taken to rehab by my sister and. Um, at Chiromo, Nairobi Hospital, Nairobi Chiromo, they have a very nice facility. I stayed mm-hmm. there for almost two weeks. That was a long time. That was 2010, but immediately after leaving Safaricom. But immediately I left uh, <clears throat> rehab, I went back to drinking. So if you have a friend or family, anyone who is into alcoholism and all that, don't force them to go to rehab. Just... Uh, let them make the decision. So, mm-hmm. yeah, back to 2017. So I stopped and, uh, yeah, I started, uh, I even got a phone. I talked to my sister. I started reaching out to my parents. Uh, little by little, I started uh, getting back on my feet. So it has been like uh, four years now. I've inspired some people, including my two of my brothers, who are also badly into alcoholism, into alcohol, sorry, and yeah, we are standing um, 
and uh, recovering. So um, <clears throat> there are so many experiences. There are so many stories in between that you know you can't. I can't. Uh, I can't tell everything all at once. That's why I'm. T- I was telling you. Maybe I can give you uh, uh, just an overview, and then uh, maybe later another day we can. Yeah, we can just have <laughs> have another talk. True, true. There's so much to discuss. There's so much to talk about. But one question is. At what point did you actually realize that you have a problem? Because you know there are people who perhaps drink on a daily and for them, they wouldn't classify themselves as alcoholic. So at what point did you realize that you have a problem? Is it when you started becoming dependent on it? Is it when you started squandering your funds and losing your jobs and relationships? At what point exactly do you know that, yes, this is actually now a problem and it's not no longer just for leisure and recreation? Uh, if you're messing up relationships, if you're messing up your finances, if you're messing up your career, um, or if you're messing up your your plans, your life plans, maybe your fi- financial plan, you have you have determined that you are going to save this amount of money, then you end up drinking that money. By that, that by the moment you get to that point, then you have a problem with alcohol. Alcohol is controlling you. The moment alcohol starts controlling you, then um, you are basically an alcoholic. So many people, you see, when when people think of alcoholics, they they always think of that. There's that image that was on TV once of a guy trying to rise up, then falling into mud again and again. That's not an alcoholic. Maybe that guy was not even an alcoholic. Alcoholics, you'll see them in suits, very smartly dressed. But uh, when they get to the office, maybe in the fridge, they have, they, they have some whiskey. They need that shot to start working. Uh, in the afternoon, they'll go out for lunch and they'll have some wine or something. Yeah? The waiter even knows what, what they, 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 how, how, they, how they want to get served so that they can hide there. Um, they are drink in the evening by five. They're in the bar, and they always get they there's always um they they always get an opportunity to uh, any opportunity that is available to drink. So the alcoholism is not it's a disease, and uh, you know you can't tell someone is sick just by looking at them. You have to interact with them, and and uh, mostly. The alcoholic doesn't even know they have a problem. More, more, you see, when, when you have a problem, you don't want to accept. No one wants to accept that they have a problem. Uh, so even when you realize that uh, you have drank your rent money, you still want to. Maybe you will blame your the, the friend you are with. You blame maybe so many things, but you will not blame yourself. That is one characteristic of alcoholism. There's always uh, a scapegoat, but never mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So by the moment you uh, you get to a point where you are you are messing up your plans, you are messing up your relationships, you are hurting other people. Uh, you are an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, borderline, borderline alcoholic. So uh, before it gets worse, eh, you better start. And then there's something about genes and alcoholism and all that. There's still a lot of research that is going on, but um, there's something I said another day on Twitter. If you have 
any any idea that someone in your family either your grandfather or grandmother if there is ever any sign that or any evidence that one of them was an alcoholic then you 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 should be very careful because mm-hmm. sometimes it's in the genes like in my family we we it's not my dad but i think maybe one of the one of our grandfathers had that problem so uh, many of us were affected and um yeah so by the time you realize how bad how bad it is you you are deep into it and then mm-hmm. you see there is, there isn't a lot of support for alcoholics and drug addicts in the country so you are alone and then even your family will abandon you so even if you realize you are an alcoholic sometimes you are not even able to extract yourself from it mm-hmm. so uh if if you if you are frank enough with yourself and you note the signs yeah you wake up one morning because you drank so much yesterday and you don't feel like going to work so you don't go to work you you lie that uh i have a headache or i'm unwell and then maybe during the day because you have a lot of time you end up going again to the bar you drink yeah mm-hmm. in the morning you have to chew gum or chew or mint or something because you are reeking of alcohol because you drank maybe until two or uh, you are you are basically an alcoholic i see people joking about alcohol on twitter or social media and i'm like uh, they don't even know what they are they don't they don't exactly and that's why i wanted you to paint for us a proper picture of what it's actually like because i know a lot of us joke about it and think it's not too serious and some of us think it's just a phase that will go off at some point in our lives so please paint for us the real and candid picture that of what actually happens aside from what is portrayed in the media and in adverts because you know I, I'll, I'll even before even without maybe going into my situation i remember one one young guy uh he died last year that this guy he used to be he used he was at Mo- uh, no no university of nairobi and he was a bright guy from a well of family but when he came to nairobi i don't know what happened so he used to be uh, at these back streets on mfangano so uh, there are so many wines and spirits uh, along that back street of mfangano lane so this this young guy i can't remember the name you you could see just by looking at him he's not he's not a chokora or a street boy you could see this he's somebody from a well of family but he was so into alcohol uh he would um, maybe he would get paid uh with some uh, maybe 20 bob to carry some to carry some luggage or stuff like that and um he would sleep on the street and eventually he died last year this a young guy who came from home going to uh, to the university when he started off obviously he thought he wouldn't uh, there is no way i'm young i can't become an alcoholic alcoholics are old old guys in the village no um there there is this this wrong image that people have of alcoholics and that is what i want to remove from uh the mind of any anyone who who might listen or who who reads whatever i write um alcoholics are not uh, they, they are not dirty ragged people or men 
in, in, in the village or, or in the slums. Um, there are even women very smartly dressed and uh, you'll always see them you carrying you know, water bottles and you, you never know what's there. They, they need, the moment you start feeling that, like you need that drink in the morning, in the evening, you, ha- you have to get an excuse from your wife or from your partner to go and drink, you know, you know, then uh, you're you're becoming dependent. So that's 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 uh, already you are an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a disease. It's 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 something that needs um, urgent action. It's like if you if you have high blood pressure and you realize, and the doctor tells you there's a problem you have or let's say diabetes and then you are told stop taking this this type of food now this you can do something about it or you can just just ignore the doctor and continue taking sugar and taking wheat and taking starch eventually you will die young so it's the same thing with alcoholism you can either ignore it or you can decide to deal with it when uh, deal with it early Mm-hmm. Um, you you have seen people uh, stop drinking, and you wonder oh, what what why they used to drink, they used to have fun. Now they just stay in the house with their wives and their kids. What, what happened? Some people will just realize I'm going down. I'm going down the same way my dad went down, the same way my brother went down. You know, I'm just giving an example, and then you realize I have to uh, halt this. I have to halt this uh, down, downward uh, trend. So um, that's why you see some people just quit. Uh, by the time I was quitting, I was already so deep. I was already so deep. And um, the worst part is, eh, you see the way people joke about alcohol and the way they are going to have fun and all that. We also used to have it, to, to have the same kind of uh, jokes with other alcoholics. We would joke about how much uh, you drank yesterday or how much, or, you know, all of us were just pathetic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, we knew, we knew it's like, we would not, we, we would see people die. Like I, I, off my mind, I can remember maybe three people who died. Even one woman, I remember, who died from the, from the, those bars we used to go, to go to. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We, we would, we would mourn and um, still, we would not extricate ourselves from the situation. It's like we were held. It's like, uh, you know, an evil spirit holding you, you know, mm-hmm. until, you, until you, you do kind of an introspection, you know, you look at yourself, uh, your life, and um, you see how, how, where you came from and where you are. You started mm-hmm. maybe a graduate. Now you you are somewhere taking a changa with the people you don't even know. When you start thinking about it that way, it's it's easy. It, it becomes easier to make that 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 step, even without going to rehab. You have to first accept that there's a problem. The problem mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. and the worst part is, eh, most people don't want to accept. I once saw somebody a popular tweet. Um, he was drinking and people would joke about it and eventually when he said he has when his friend said he has a, pro- a problem with alcohol 
uh everyone was like do your callism it's 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 just a trend it's not it's just hype if you want to stop drinking just don't go to the bar that, that is stupidity if you hear somebody saying that eh? mm-hmm. uh please please don't support, don't support it because if it was that simple uh even for the other diseases we, we would not all get sick we we all know that people get diabetic because of maybe sugar and all that and starch and all that we would we would not take such kind of food if it was so easy there are so many things we would not do to mm-hmm. to avoid maybe diseases but we eventually because it's life we eventually find ourselves maybe sick so when 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 you find somebody is alcoholic um i always encourage people to be be kind to them um i i didn't have that experience i was i didn't have maybe a lot of support in my situation i think i had to um to stop uh drinking cold turkey and um yeah i i wouldn't recommend that for anyone if you know if they can get support if someone can get support from somewhere it would it would be good even from church or anywhere it's easier to walk with somebody i walked alone and maybe i can just say i walked with god although family came in later but uh it was tough so um you you there's it's it's uh, always a gradual slide you you start and uh, you you know you call it a social drinking you social what and then eventually uh you are you are a social drinker and then yeah you are drinking with people then you find yourself uh you want to, you want company you don't want company you want to drink alone so you used to drink at kahawa west so now you even go to kamaki's where you don't know people so that you can drink more on your own yeah mm-hmm. that's now you are sinking eventually because you can't afford tasker you go to maybe um to another place you go to kayole and then you start drinking cheaper beer so even if you 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 met your friend they will never know that you you are taking maybe kenya king somewhere they will still think you are taking by the time they realize that you have a problem it will be too late mm-hmm. yeah so uh like i said billy <laughs> there is so much to talk about okay i would, I would actually love another chance another another opportunity to talk about alcoholism because i i actually don't prepare at what to talk about i just like um touching on every aspect of it because there's so much to talk about um people assume so much mm. and um yeah so f- for instance i i don't I, i don't laugh at people who are drinking because i know i can it it can it's only a moment it's only uh a trigger a very simple trigger can send me back there even mm-hmm. after years and years so i consider really? myself a, yeah i know mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. so it's a struggle even if you have been out of uh, a bar for 10 20 years you can still go back doesn't it get easier uh actually it uh, at the beginning it it's hard at the beginning it's hard but uh, with time you kind of uh, no, not suppress um you get it out of your mind you you resolve you know there maybe there were issues that were making you drink 
you resolve them you if it was anger it, it was that disappointment feeling like you failed in life and then you just want to cover it with drink and more drink and more drink and more drink um, maybe if you resolve that and you accept that maybe you made a, a wrong choice in life and then you start dealing with it it becomes easier not to go back to drinking mm-hmm. yeah cuz drinking is just escapism mostly Uh, yeah 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 and also the other day I was talking to a certain friend of mine who was also caught in the same mess of alcoholism and telling me about the sex life about how he slept with over 50 women and so obviously that could especially affected his relationship with his wife and what not so please tell us a bit about that how alcoholism because i know alcoholism then come on its own definitely comes with all these other baggages with it so please tell me about that angle how is it like did you ever experience something of the sort where you are reckless with your sex life when it is bad any woman you'd go out with and what not <laughs> uh, that's the truth um i think it's because of the desperation uh I I at one time I even I, I even had like uh, ladies who knew me at Sabina Joy um I would go in and they would you know they would even remember me Chris you know like I'm their customer you know Sabina Joy eh? mm, mm, mm. Mm, maybe you have heard of it to many um, listeners please explain to them what it is ah uh, uh, no no <laughs> I um Come on, no nobody doesn't know Sabina Joy. Sabina Joy is um, the biggest brothel in East Africa. It's on uh, on uh, Moy Avenue. So, um, you see, you see, Nairobi has these these kind of uh, uh, hidden hidden side to it. Most people just see the uh, these these facades that uh, you know this nice place. busy people walking up and down but you you don't even note just just staring at you right there uh, so many bad things happening and you don't even know now um so i i i remember whatever your friend told you is is true you would even sometimes you would even have even four uh, hookers the same night and um you wouldn't even feel satisfied it's like you are trying to fill something an empty vacuum and an empty gap and some emptiness sorry some emptiness in your in your soul you are trying to uh, to fill it with this excitement you know you have tried alcohol you are still high you not I, i would not even go to the brothels when when sober i would wait after taking maybe a shot of kenya king or whichever whichever other drink Oh that's the time now I would go I would pop in for for a shot um mm-hmm. and um okay for me I I tried as much as possible to hide it from uh, my partners and yeah uh, at least I, but but of course it affected the sexual life because I would I would prefer going to uh getting it the easier way just from the pro- uh, prostitutes it would, it was easier um <laughs> yeah other than the money you you can have it however you want whether you want 
or whichever style you want and there is there are no questions you know that's why people go to prostitutes there are no questions you are not being asked where have you have you paid rent where have you come from well, mm-hmm. have you paid, bought books for no 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 she's just asking for her 300 shillings and then you pay for the room and you're done mm-hmm. yeah and then you can even have a drink together or she the moment you walk out of the door of the room she doesn't even know you mm-hmm. yeah so um <laughs> uh it 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 affect it, it uh, the alcoholism and even drug drugs can affect your sex, uh, sexual life actually for some people it kills even the libido for some it it, it adds the libido cause you're actually looking for for some satisfaction to fill in that emptiness because you know some most of the times the alcoholism um develops because of some emptiness either you had uh, a bad relationship somewhere or you had some failure uh, or maybe you are just a good guy who started who had a family and then you started drinking uh, uh, gradually it became a problem your wife left so to try and fill in that gap you start drinking more because you even have more time because she's, there's no one at home so eventually you end up messing a lot aha aha so even i've already established that there's so much to talk about there's so much to discuss i think we might have to do a part two of this but even as we wind up what is something you tell someone struggling with alcoholism and someone who knows a friend a family member who is struggling with the same what are the ways we are to handle those point in our lives that are struggling with this what are the do's and don'ts should we force them to go for to go to rehab should we be more loving and caring should we just let them to their own devices to figure out what they want to do so tell us what should we do and not do okay now um there, there are three there are three groups there the, the first the first one the most important one the important one is the alcoholic uh, first of all they have to accept that they have a problem now they only say that uh when you appreciate there's a problem it's half solved and um if you can talk to the alcoholic for as much time as you want you can call a pastor you can call an evangelist you can pray for them you can take them to rehab but until they appreciate that they have a problem you will not solve it so for the alcoholic maybe who is listening they have to accept they just have to to do a a, a life assessment they look at their career they look at uh, maybe their business is everything going okay in relation to their drinking if you're missing work if you're missing your bills if you're borrowing if you're betting to maybe support your drinking then there's a problem you don't even have to uh, let's not even use that term alcoholic if if the drinking you're becoming dependent on on uh, on uh, alcohol or even any other drug then uh, there is a problem when you appreciate there is a problem then you can start working uh, towards resolving it for the families or friends especially friends if you are a true friend tell tell the other guy tell this 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 guy who is over drinking that they have a problem you think they have a problem talk to them 
ask them why they are missing work ask them why they are having fights with the wives because with the wife because of the alcohol tell them explain to them that this is how it starts mm-hmm. maybe just by talking to them by alerting them that way you will jolt them into reality you will show them that yeah this is this is getting serious uh for the family the family has the the toughest job they have to continue loving these alcoholics uh i remember my my uh, uh my brother and i at home in Nyeri, we would sell stuff we would uh, uh lie we would borrow money from our parents friends and then they would come asking they, we would mess a lot and, but still our parents used to pray for us they used to support us okay they they didn't pamper or anything they would not give us money to go and drink but they would do not just you know draw us out you know mm. so they they used to they used to continue they they continued loving us they continued uh showing some kindness okay up to a point to be realistic sometimes it can get uh tiresome but i would mm-hmm. just add urge the families not to not to tire mm-hmm. continue continue talking to them don't force them don't tell them to stop drinking today or they'll die don't don't um, cajole them don't 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 be rude it it will just when 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 you talk rudely to that uh, brother of yours or sister of yours they will just go to the bar and start thinking that was my sister that was my younger sister that was my elder sister why did she have to talk to me like that by the time uh, they are reflecting they will ask for a drink and they will drink and they will drink to feel that to feel that uh, vacuum of of uh, pain that you left or to feel to try and heal that that uh wound that you have created so continue mm-hmm. loving them continue supporting them and uh, uh don't force them to go to rehab mm-hmm. until they are ready mm-hmm. yeah if there is literature you can find maybe books about alcoholism people who have um maybe stopped drinking like i have a friend of mine ann madhu um from moranga i i can't remember her, the title of her book she has a very nice book and uh, on alcoholism she she was even in a uh, worse situation but um she well, she was once a beauty queen and she went through a very bad experience of uh, of alcoholism she has talked about her story stuff like that will motivate any alcoholic there are so many stories that can be shared so don't just give up don't just uh, come and um, you know start hurting the, the alcoholic telling them how they are useless and all that they, they, you are not helping that is not how you help so i think mm-hmm. uh, yeah I have addressed the three groups. That is really something to ponder upon. I don't think I'd even add anything because I think, as you said, we need to treat this people with so much compassion and love because we know at least someone in our lives who's probably struggling with this thing and might benefit from the love you show them because definitely everyone else is, as they say, the world is very unforgiving and so everyone else would want to disregard them. But I think maybe the you being the one person who have hope in this person might actually push them to actually want to change and see the point of changing so guys please feel free to tweet us at the bushiran pod 
and follow us on instagram at the good the bad and busherian and tell us what are your thoughts on this episode what have you gotten away from this episode i think in the next time we're shooting this we'll come back with more stats and facts to let you guys be on the know of what how severe and what it actually like so guys have a lovely week ahead folks and cheers <laughs>